Welcome to our podcast. Uh, This is our fifth and final podcast for our series called What is Man? And this one is called The Manifestation of Sons. This is something very controversial when it comes to sonship. Most people don't see themselves as being sons and daughters of God. And now you have to know that when I say sons of God, I'm also speaking of daughters of God as well. We are the progeny of God. And so this one, we want to talk about sonship. I was talking to someone one time about sonship, and they weren't really seeing eye to eye with me concerning this concept. And so I wrote a spoken word to kind of push forth my point and to rebut the belief that we were anything less. This was the intention of God when he sent Jesus was to redeem sons. I heard a statement once that said this, the son of God became the son of man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God again. So in my spoken word I wrote, it goes like this, there they go with that sonship again. I guess everybody else is fake. No, we've just been awoke, waiting on you to wake. Being sons of God ain't something that we named ourselves. If my daddy's God, then how can I be something else? You pray our father while you acting like a slave, working hard for the massa, hoping that you're really saved. You pray for mercy, I live in his grace. You're looking for his handouts and I'm seeking his face. The secret to identity isn't found in race. It's not a nationality or a geographic place. It's in the one whose image we were created. We got the paternity test, can't even debate it. You say, well, if you be the son of God, then show us a sign. Okay, fine. When I glorify my father, you can watch me shine. Man, this says it all when it comes to tearing down that mentality that we are these servants of God still just as the Old Testament in the Old Testament they were servants of God they could be nothing closer the prophets of God were servants of God all the way up until the time of Jesus in John 15 15 he's talking to his disciples and he says to his disciples I will no longer call you servants but I call you friends because a servant doesn't know what his master is going to do so Jesus is telling them that as friends I'm going to allow you to stand alongside me and I'm going to share with you things that I wouldn't share with my servants and you know we thought that's where it ended but it didn't Jesus while he yet lived was still operating under the old covenant but after his death burial and resurrection The old covenant was done away with and the new covenant began. The scripture tells us that while the testator still lives or the will giver still lives, the will or testament cannot be enforced until after his death. So we know Jesus was still operating under the old covenant. But after his death, a new and better covenant built on better promises was given to us. And we went from servants to friends to sons and daughters of God. You are the progeny of God. You came out of God. 
it. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, To which of the angels did he say at any time, Today I have begotten you? He never said that to an angel. An angel is not mankind. Yet he said it to the Son of Man. He said it to Jesus. And Jesus was a man. That's why Jesus said, Who do men say I, the Son of Man, am? The Hebrew word for man is the word Adam. So he's saying, Who do men say I, the Son of Adam, am? Jesus was begotten. Jesus was born a man from God when he became flesh, when the Word was made flesh. And in Hebrews, it tells us that God commanded the angels to worship him in that state. So also, you are as much the sons of God as Jesus is. You say, wow, what a bold statement to make. Well, let me ask you a question. I had a riddle once that went like this. Which is heavier, a ton of rocks or a ton of feathers? Now, most people would say a ton of rocks is heavier than a ton of feathers, but they're both a ton, so they're equal. And I might say to you, which is worth more, a million dollars worth of gold or a million dollars worth of diamonds? And again, you might wonder which one was worth more, but they're equal. Now that goes to this question, which is worth more, you or Jesus? Now that stumps a lot of people. They say, no, Jesus is worth more. No, something's only worth what you're willing to trade for it. So if God would trade Jesus for you by yourself, then he has established your value because the buyer, the consumer, the purchaser determines the value of something that's being purchased, not the person who's selling. So when God traded Jesus's life for yours, for you individually, for you personally, he established your value as being equal to Jesus. Now, I wouldn't pay a million dollars for an iPhone when an iPhone is not worth that much. But if I did, it would be worth that much to me. So who are we to say that God spent too much when he traded the life of Jesus for each one of us? You know, God said that the blood of bulls and goats and sacrifices in the Old Testament could not take away our sin because they could not trade equally for us. So God prepared himself a sacrifice. He says also in the book of Hebrews, sacrifices and offerings I don't want, but a body I have prepared for myself. In other words, God is saying, I don't want sacrifices and offerings coming from you anymore. I have prepared myself a sacrifice. This is the very same thing that Abraham, the father of righteousness, said when he was taking Isaac up to sacrifice him on the mountain. Isaac said, Father, I see the wood and I see the altar, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said to Isaac, the Lord will provide himself a lamb. Listen, God provided himself a lamb. His name was Jesus. and He paid the price fully. He traded his life for yours, which made your life equal to his. 
so that God says, I love you this much that I would bankrupt heaven to win you back to myself. Now you hear me say bankrupt heaven and you say, well, heaven's got gold and it's got silver and it's got all kinds of precious stones and there's angels flying around and they're so mighty and no, heaven is not heaven without the sun. Man, if I was a billionaire a million times over and you took my son, everything else would be worthless to me. I would be bankrupt emotionally and physically. It would completely destroy me. But God takes and he sacrifices Jesus for us to establish your worth. You know, in the Old Testament, the people ministered to God through the priests. The priests were the advocates between God and man mediators but in the New Testament God ministers to the people through the priest the advocates the go-betweens the mediators he ministers to us and how did he minister to us he had Jesus sacrificed for us he gave to us because he loved us and this is why I give everything I have to him this is why I completely and utterly trust in what Jesus did and nothing that I do because sinning less is still not sinless now we're talking about the manifestation of sons I want you to see the motive of God what motivated God what is God's motivation when it comes to how he sees me what is his purpose I was reading in Galatians chapter 4 and it says this, 4 verse 5, it says that Jesus was sent to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons, because you are sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, you are no more servants, but sons. And if you're sons, and you are heirs of God through Christ. Man, listen, the servant mentality, the master servant mentality that came with the Old Testament is no longer relevant now in this new covenant with better promises. You know, God has such a great love for you. See, God didn't send Jesus to save servants, but he sent him to redeem sons to ransom us back to himself. It's okay to be a servant, but it's better to be a son. If Jesus said in John 15, 15, the servant doesn't know what his master's gonna do, implying that his friends, he would let him know, then how much more would sons know than friends if friends know more than servants? Wow. Jesus began a work on this earth and it's our job to finish that work. God has manifested his son, Jesus, on the earth that he might be the firstborn of many brethren and that we would continue the work that Jesus began to do. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, 18 through 23, it says, For the 
earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Because the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him that had subjected him into that same hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but we ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption, at which point the redemption of our bodies. Romans 8, 19 through 23. Man, the whole world is waiting on us to get this revelation that we are the sons of God, that we are the daughters of God. That if we're the sons and daughters of God, what does that look like? What does it look like to know that you are royalty, the God of creation that created all of heaven and all of earth and all the galaxies? He created them and he made them all subject to you. He made you to be heirs with Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that we are heirs and we are joint heirs with Christ. That we are seated with him in heavenly places. You know that your position is that you're seated with Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, it tells us that Christ is seated far above all principalities and power. He's seated on the right hand of the Father, far above every name that's ever named, both in this world and in the ages to come. There is no one greater, neither will there ever be anyone greater, and that he is the head to us, the church. And that we are seated with him. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says we are seated with him in heavenly places. Do you know that your position is that you are seated far above Michael the archangel, far above uh, the, the holy angels of God, far above Satan and his entire his entire uh, horde of, of demonic and fallen angels. You are seated far, far above every name that's ever been named because those things are under the feet of the body. God has placed you there and he has given you this heritage that you are now the heir of God, that you no longer have to fear circumstance. This is not something that happens in the by and by. Right now, because you believe, you are made righteous. You are justified. You have been, you have been remitted of every crime. The penalty of those crimes cannot be exacted upon you because if those crimes are required by you to pay, it would be double jeopardy because Jesus paid when he committed no sins. He was made sin for us that he might take away our offense, that he might take away our sins, that he might suffer the execution that we deserve. And in exchange, he gave us his righteousness. He conquered and he gave us the victory. Therefore, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors, and we are now seated with him in heavenly places. The enemy knows who you are, but you may not know who you are. You know, I tell people that an adolescent lion raised in captivity may not know how powerful he is, but his owner does. And he is just as dangerous 
as an adult lion. And I'm telling you, once he gets a revelation of this, once he tastes blood, once you realize the power and the authority that you have over the enemy, and you get a taste of the victory that's been won for you, and the authority that you have, you will never cower again in the face of demons, devils. You'll never be afraid of the dark. You'll never be hopeless. These things come because we lack our identity. Who are we? You are the sons and daughters of God. And this is literal. I want to go to another scripture that's very controversial. Most people stay away from this. I know preachers that stay away from this scripture, and it's found in John chapter 10. Jesus is having a debate with the Pharisees, and he almost finds himself stoned because of some things that he is saying. In John chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus says to them, I told you and you didn't believe me works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you don't believe me, because you're not of my sheep. As I've said to you, my sheep, they hear my voice, and they know it, and they follow me. And I give to them eternal life, that they will never perish, neither should any man pluck them out of my hands. My Father gave them me, and is greater than all of you. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my father, we are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus said to them, All these good works that I have showed you from my father, and for which of these works do you stone me? And the Jews answered him, saying, For good works we won't stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man makes yourself God. And Jesus said to them, is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? And if he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scriptures cannot be broken, you say to him, whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, that I blaspheme because I said I am the Son of God? If I don't do the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do, though you don't believe me, because I say it, believe the works that you see, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I am in him. Now this is a bold statement, but Jesus makes a reference to an Old Testament scripture in Psalms chapter 82. Now I want you to notice there in the scripture that Jesus said, did I not say that ye are gods? Now. We know that Jesus is the word. We know that he was before, before he was manifest as flesh and his name was named Jesus. He was the word of God. He was present uh, in the beginning. And we find that Jesus is saying that quotation in Psalms 82, I said that. <laughs> now we may read that and we say, oh, David said that. No, Jesus said, I said that. I want to read that entire chapter to you in Psalms chapter 82 because I want you to get a full picture of this conversation that Jesus says that he said in the Old Testament. 
before he was ever born as Jesus, the Son of God. He was the Word of God. Verse 1 says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty and he judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the person of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy and rid them out of the hands of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness and all the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said you are gods and all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou hast inherited all nations. Man, Jesus says here in this, we see he said he stands in the congregation of the mighty and he judges among the gods. Now this word gods is the word Elohim. Now he's talking about us and he's now bringing this indictment against us saying how long will you judge unjustly and accept the person of the wicked think about it that's what Selah means defend the poor and the fatherless and do justice to the afflicted and needy and deliver the poor and and the needy and rid them out of the hands of the wicked this is what he's saying we're supposed to be doing but he makes a statement he says they don't understand neither do they know they continue to walk in darkness and all the foundation of the earth is out of course. Here Jesus is saying like the whole world is out of course because we don't know who we are. They don't know, neither do they understand, and they walk on in darkness and the foundation of the earth are out of course. Verse 6 says, I have said you are gods and all of you children of the most high. But because we don't know that, look at verse 7. But you shall die like mortal men and fall like one of the princes. Now, someone might look at this and they say, the sons of God he's talking about here, he's talking about the angels. No, he's not talking about angels. Listen, he stands in the congregation of the mighty and he judges among the gods. He's not talking about angels. He's talking about us. Because why did he, why, how do we know that? Because when we go back to John chapter 10, Jesus says, did I not say that you are gods? He was talking to the Pharisees. I said you were gods. Now, because they came out of Adam, he's saying they're gods. And they were supposed to be doing these things. They were supposed to deliver the poor uh, and the needy and rid them out of the hands of the wicked. But instead, they were acting like mere men and they would die like mortal men and fall like the princes, meaning the fallen angels. God has called us to come to this revelation that we realize that we are the sons and the daughters of God and that you are not supposed to be victims, but victors. Jesus, he's given you a brand new spirit, given you power over darkness. He's given you power over your, in, your own body so that you can cause it to serve you instead of you serving it. Sin is a person serving their own natural bodily lust because there is no sin in your spirit. Your spirit is holy because it's born of the Holy Spirit. And so your desire for sin is not in your spirit, it's in your body. And 
God has given you victory over your body, but you must bring your body under subjection and tame it. You don't let your dogs run wild at night. Don't let your flesh run wild and run over you. I hope this encourages you. I want you to see that you are greatly loved of the Father and that the Father has chosen you in Adam. When God was creating Adam, he created you to be his progeny. Before the foundation of the world, God's intention was that you would give glory to him as his children, not as servants, not as friends, but as sons and daughters of God. And if you're no longer servants, then you are sons and heirs of God through Christ. Take your place. All of creation is waiting on you. God bless you. And this concludes our series, What is Man?